Hi everyone, this is Lorenzo Anselmo from Omega Bond Watches. And this is Luke Taggart from Bond's Department. And you're listening to the Blunt Instruments Podcast. What's going on, Paisan? How you been? Good. How are you, man? You sound like Peter Griffin. You said that. <laughs> well, fuck you. Fucking quagmire. I can't do. It. I can't do these things on uh, on demand or whatever. I don't like being put on. What's I see the, the Miles Terrace <laughs> is coming back. No, it's just a full beard, dude. Full beard. It's just a really thick beard. It's gotten oh. lazy. Dude, I love it. You should just grow it out and look like the mountain man before your, your wedding. <laughs> no shave November. No shave November. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. See how Brian likes that. You know, here, before we even get going, that third sexy voice you heard was Kyle Barbo. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well. How are you doing this evening? Not too bad. How's Roger? I, uh, how's Roger? Well, uh, he's doing fine this evening. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, fuck that Roger guy. Yeah, it never gets old. Um, this episode stemmed from a conversation that me and Mr. Barbo had, and I had to stop it abruptly so I can bring in my business partner, Mr. Paisan Lorenzo himself, to get a third opinion. But basically, we were talking about Dalton and Brosnan, and what could have been the whole Remington Steel thing. And we thought it might make a good episode because immediately Kyle and I had kind of different opinions. And I'm assuming that Lorenzo can bring in a third opinion. And I'm just uh, here to make sure I have a good, clean fight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, it's, I, it's it wasn't a good that chat bad too, because everybody, like we we all have like our our wish list. Like if we found a genie's lamp, what we would change about. You know, Bond films of the past. It's been a Bond yeah. film. Well, it was. Man. It was after you, and I'm not going to say what it was because I'm assuming you'll say it again at some point in time during this episode. But it was really after one particular argument you had as to why you kind of didn't want Brosnan to go earlier rather than okay. later. So yeah, I was can, like, you know what? Get to that. A, yeah, I was like, this needs to be an episode because I'd love to hear Lorenzo's take on that. But basically, for the listeners who may not know about the whole Remington Steel, um, Pierce Brosnan thing. Can you uh, kind of give him a little background, Kyle, if you don't mind? Sure. So um, so Pierce Brosnan first came to the attention of the producers during the shooting of For Your Eyes Only. Um, his wife, Cassandra Harris, who's probably Lorenzo's favorite Bond girl because uh-huh. of her name. Um, I that. Actually, it's Evergreen, but, but uh, and according to Jay, she's ugly as fuck, so I don't know what that whatever I, we, yeah that's that's why he's not on the show anymore and you that's have right. to bring in me as the third guy <laughs> <laughs> booted mate no um we love you jake but anyway um cassandra harris this. brought pierce brosnan to the set and and to the premiere of for your eyes only and introduced him to cubby broccoli and that was kind of his first introduction to the world of bond and I think Broccoli saw right then and there when you get a little bit older and Roger Moore is ready to step down, um, you're somebody that we want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a couple of years later, uh, Pierce Brosnan was cast on a on an NBC TV series called Remington Steel, which lasted for I think 
four seasons before it was canceled. And right at the same time, the Broccoli's were looking to replace Roger Moore after a view to a kill. Roger Moore retired from the role and they cast Pierce Brosnan as the new James Bond signed a contract and everything. NBC took that publicity from James from Pierce Brosnan being cast as the new James Bond. Suddenly he's on the front page of all the newspapers and they renewed Remington Steel for one last season, which turned out to be a season that they cut short. It was like six made for TV movies. It wasn't even a full season anyway. But anyway, Brosnan kind of got jilted out of the role and they brought in Timothy Dalton to make his two films. And we know what happened from, from that point forward. Yeah. So the one thing, first off, the first piece I didn't even know. I'd never heard that about Cassandra Harris. The second thing that we were talking about when you and I spoke about it was when they Cubby Broccoli said to them, I will let you have him for six episodes. And they said, absolutely not. We want him for the full season. And then That's it right. got canceled after six episodes. So hypothetically, he could have done both if they were able to just come to an agreement. So then in that point, would we have seen Brosnan in Living Daylights? I mean, he, he was all set to play Bond in the Living Daylights. He was screen tested. He was contracted. He was cast. I mean, he was going to be James Bond in the Living Daylights. And uh, then at the 11th hour. Pictures were taken. Like, you'll see some pictures from GoldenEye, correct? That were technically taken fucking yes. eight years earlier. Yeah, and, and you can you can really Crazy. see it face and and that's yeah. one of the things that i that i intend to bring up as we debate this topic a little bit yeah i also do need to fact check you a tiny bit on that kyle um, sure please Pierce was on set in kerfoof during filming and a lot of the cast were joking with him about getting the role after cubby and him had talked about it right so not i don't think i think they met before the premiere okay that I'm, she very well may have brought him to set, which makes sense. I mean, the only reason I know that you, did say, you said he brought it, she brought him to set. So, from uh, what is it? Uh, you said that everything or nothing. Okay, he talks there. about it, and I didn't know what Kerfoof was. Corfu is where they filmed the bulk of uh, Fear Eyes Only, that's the, the place in Greece where, mm -hmm. um, where a lot of the action takes place. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Lorenzo, what do you think? If we had, if this had gone to plan, say, and we'll just, we'll just for, for, I don't know, simplicity's sake, we'll just skip the whole Remington Steel recap, you know, like reboot, re-upped for another season, the whole thing. We'll just say Remington Steel came to an end. They signed Pierce Brosnan. Would you have wanted to see him do Living Daylights and License to Kill? Uh, I think Living Daylights would have been fine with but then the whole anyone that knows me knows I'm not a, a big uh, license to kill guy. Like I just mm -hmm. don't, it, it's just not a bond film to me. Bonds in it, but it doesn't feel like a true bond film. It feels like something that they're being a little outside the equation when they did it. Uh, yeah. It's like a PG Scarface. It's a, it's a very different tonally different yeah. bond film. Yeah. It's just very, it just doesn't feel like it feels like every other like late 80s film almost mm -hmm. you know living daylights has that bond charm to it and i just i don't know if i could see pierce doing the first one i couldn't see him doing the second one i just can't see him 
and it, that could be Dalton and the way he portrayed Bond in those in that film in particular that's making it difficult for me to see Pierce as that person. But it's just like, and then you got to think, would they have gone that route, you know, with Pierce if, you know, the way the film went with him, you know, in the first one, or would they have done something a little bit different? Because you know, that film's pretty dark, you know, mm-hmm. that the, the, mm-hmm. the transition from the living daylights into license to kill is just, it's very like night and day. Like, I don't know. What do you, like, what do you guys think about that? Well, I, I think that stems from license to kill being written specifically for Dalton. When yeah. living daylights was written, they weren't sure if James Bond was going to be Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan or Timothy Dalton. It could have right. been anybody. So that, that, mm-hmm. that movie, I think that script was written um, for any actor to play, the James Bond we know and love, whereas License to Kill was specifically written for Timothy Dalton. Having said, having said that, I think Pierce Brosnan is one of the only Bond actors who you could plug into any of the movies, and it works. I think he could have he can play dirty, gritty, hard edged Bond, and he can play like silly, over the top, campy Bonds too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and the thing between. you gotta, the thing you have to factor in is if. If he does do that movie, they're gonna do another movie. There's no question about a third film. So so probably in ninety two, ninety three we get another film. Thus does that vaporize Goldeneye? You know, like you know, there th- this is the questions you start asking, like to what cost is this whole equation gonna affect what happened? You know, and that that's kind of what this whole conversation was about. I mean, Goldeneye Goldeneye's kind of written as like we've it's been a while since we've made a Bond movie. Yeah. We need to reintroduce Bond. The last one was a very different uh departure from the formula. So the first 20, 25 minutes of Goldeneye is here is everything in the James Bond formula. Here's a standalone pre-title sequence mission. Here's the DB5. Here's Bond, James Bond, shaken not stirred in the same scene. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, here's the formula back. You missed it. You haven't seen it in almost a decade. Here it is. Yeah. And it's revamped and ready to roar. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Kyle, I think now's a good time to bring up the young Pierce Brosnan thing. Because that yeah. was what stemmed this whole conversation with me, was Kyle's take on a young Pierce Brosnan. Right. My take kind of uh, on this topic was... In 1986, Pierce Brosnan was too young to play James Bond. And if you watch some of the Remington Steele episodes, he still looks Bondish. Um, you can see why he was on their radar because the character Remington Steele is very, very close to James Bond. But he's a little bit more of a playboy. Um, he's a lot less mature. And I think that they were better off waiting to bring Brosnan into the role. I think, I mean, I, I'm a huge Brosnan guy. He's my favorite James Bond, but mm-hmm. I think that he would have been a little too young. He needed to be 40 before he could play Bond effectively. Yeah. See my, I agree with that. I, I always thought he looked a little young and the hair was just a little too big. I mean, things that, you know, things that could have been changed, but I mean, the face, obviously he just looked young, but then there's, there's the fanboy side of me that would have loved seven eight brosnan films i agree i would love to have more brosnan films like i said i i think he's i mean he is my james bond Mm -hmm. um 
but I would rather have seen another Brosnan movie after Die Another Day as opposed to a Brosnan movie before Goldeneye. I think he, he was just too too pretty, uh, and he needed a little bit of weather. And unfortunately, I think what brought that that level of um, darkness that he needed to play Bond was the death of Cassandra Harris. Uh, I, I think hmm. going through that suffering of losing his wife actually kind of weathered him, aged him, and made him a little bit of a harder James Bond. He would have played, a, I think, a much more flippant Bond in the 80s. Uh, I agree with that. I think that's fair. That plays. I definitely, yeah. I definitely can see that. But where the where the genie lamp comes in, what I would have preferred is Timothy Dalton taking over the role for uh, A View to a Kill, because I feel like that movie is written for a younger Bond um, to play against Christopher Walken and, and Tanya Roberts, who are both much much younger than Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. So she died. Cassandra Harris died in nineteen ninety one. Goldeneye came out in what ninety five? Ninety five. So they would have started filming ninety, probably ninety four, ninety three, ninety four. Okay, so yeah, I mean that's a that's very interesting. So as far as the Dalton side, and enlighten me on this. I'm sure you guys both know what was really the main reason they only let him do two. Uh, Studio issues, right? That's right. So there were some financial issues with United Artists. They actually filed for bankruptcy and were tied up in court for years. And during that that gap, Timothy Dalton's contract expired and he just chose not to renew it because he was he was done. Okay. Because he still has some disdain to this day, does he not? I, I think it was his decision um, to walk away from Bond. Yeah, because doesn't he like not sign Bond autographs, and doesn't he like just disown everything Bond? Or is that a, I, is that? I don't know. I I know he appeared in Everything or Nothing, and and had nothing but good things to say about his experience. But uh, he's not a Superman. You know, you have to understand he's a human being. But oh uh, God. That's, uh, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> but I I don't, I don't think he he dislikes or disrespects what bond has brought to him i just think as an actor he wanted to do other things yeah yeah but i i I think another dalton film would have would have been a good thing for the franchise but i think it should have happened prior to the living daylights i think dalton taking over in 1985 having a three film run and then moving on to brosnan you know 1993 let's say Mm -hmm. uh would have been a nice trajectory for the franchise so you wouldn't you wouldn't take Dalton and Goldeneye, just hypothetically say he does. So say say there's this. So say he does the first two, the whole dispute happens, and then by the time that happens, they're like, you know what, License to Kill wasn't our best, not as critically received as we would have wanted. Let's reinvent him. Let's do Goldeneye. Would you have liked Dalton and Goldeneye? It is kind of a shame that Dalton never got his his Goldfinger Spy Who Loved Me moment. He never got that third film where the actor really kind of makes the role their own. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's kind of like the, the more forgotten James Bond. Cause he doesn't have like that classic James Bond movie. So yeah, I, I think I would have liked to have seen a third Dalton film. Would it have been Goldeneye? Would it have been something in between license to kill and Goldeneye? I don't know. Um, that all comes down to the studio financial situation they would have had to change the script, I think, um, 
in Goldeneye a little bit to write it better for Dalton than than it is for Brosnan. I thought mm-hmm. they actually had a script written for him. For his they did, film. yeah, and it, it's it's slightly similar. Um, the Double O Six character is like a is more like a father figure to Bond, and mm. a lot of it takes place in Scotland. And I, I haven't read the script, but I I have like a vague uh, notion of of what it's like. Um, it, some of the good good books to read about this. Mark Edlett's book, um, The Lost Adventures of James Bond, goes into this a lot more in detail than than I can. What's something you would have changed about Dalton's tenure, other than obviously not casting him? But like, what, like, what, what things would you do? Like, to... <laughs> just get rid of him. <laughs> well, uh, well, honestly, I just put Pierce in there. No, I mean, yeah. like, what, what, with what we got, what would you have changed? What would, if you could, be in in the chair making those calls? Besides starting it a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. um, I think I, I would have. The, the thing that really jumps out to me, I would have dressed him more like James Bond. Uh, he, he looks particularly in License to Kill, and I think that's what makes the whole movie look cheaper than than a lot of the other Eon films. He, he's, he's dressed very sloppily. Like he, he looks mm-hmm. like he just doesn't care about his appearance. And I guess for the story, that kind of makes sense. He's on the run. He's driven by revenge. But it's I think fucking James Bond, though, exactly the James Bond <laughs> character that we know wouldn't let his standards slip. I mean, look, look at Quantum of Solace, very similar story, revenge driven plot, and it's one of the best dressed James Bond films in the whole series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because you go to like bang a couple floozies doesn't mean you have to let your style drop off. I mean, I don't, <laughs> right. I, I, I just don't. I don't know. It's just I feel like they're going for this whole Miami Vice thing, and it just was just like no. Yeah, they are. No, they are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I like his performance in it, but a lot of the stylistic choices are not my favorite. I think the the action is great though. John Glenn knows how to direct action really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? No, I'm kind of slightly going back to Brosnan. You mentioned, Kyle, that you could see him playing Bond in License to Kill. What other Brosnan role, aside from Bond, kind of gives you that notion that he could take it on? Is there something you've seen him do? Like, I'm thinking Ghost Rider. Okay, and I was going to say The November Man. Yeah, I think okay. the, the November Man is kind of the, the unofficial fifth Brosnan um, Bond film, and it's kind of like, Hey guys, I can do dark and gritty Bond too. Um, mm. This is what it would have looked like if you wrote a a darker, dirtier James Bond movie for for Pierce Brosnan. Okay. I just think like I don't know. Like, do do you guys think like once you establish your tone, it's really hard to just go in and be like, okay, well, this is what we're doing now. Like, mm. I feel like if if we would have went from Die Another Day. And then say November Man was the movie that was made right after that. Just put all the Bond equations in there. Mm-hmm. Aren't you going to be like sitting in your chair going like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, I mean, I'm not so. saying I wouldn't enjoy it. I'm just going to be like, what what the what the hell? I don't think so. Because they, they kind of did that twice. Um, I mean, you only live twice leading into Majesties. Tonally, completely different. Or Moonraker leading into For Your Eyes Only, 
tonally very, very different. You know, you have big, bombastic outer space movies, and then the next two are very much grounded, down to earth, violent, um, revenge stories. Yeah, can we just like put the revenge stories in a box <laughs> and like not fucking pull them out for a while? Like, I don't well, need to see Bond get seek revenge. I need to see Bond go on a mission. Right. Like, well, and, and I want them to hand him a. I want to see him hand him a fucking folder and just go on a mission. Like, and for go. your eyes only is a good yeah. example of how they how they were able to do both at the same time. Bond yeah. is on a mission. He's handed. He's literally handed the yeah. folder in that yeah. movie. But the Bond girl is the one on the revenge mission. They mm-hmm. that is an interesting way to combine both. I get that. I get that. My thing. I. I. The the fact that especially with every literally everyone before daniel craig it was a standalone mission i i can argue that you could do november man after die another day however i do also see lorenzo's point where it would just be a shocking Mm. just theme change you know what i mean almost like and then you're kind of like okay like it's almost like you're admitting the last film was dog shit right i mean i almost feel like that's what you're doing but I, but I do think that they do that. They, they do that after you only live twice with Majesties. They do that after Majesties with diamonds. I mean that they go. Yeah, from, but you're from going dark from to, you're going, to you're the going moon. Lazenby. You're going from Sean Lazenby back to Sean, mm-hmm. and Sean signed for two films. He only does one of them, and clearly he's not interested. Yeah, he lets himself go, mm-hmm. and that's the last. Like what? Oh, God, how to go out with a whimper? Jesus. Right. Um, and then you bring Roger in and it's just like all this, the biggest problem. And, and this is the thing I've talked about when they're casting a bond, they need to really ask these people, do you want this role? Because you want to be famous and, and, you know, just not have to worry about money anymore. Or do you want this role? Cause you actually truly love this character and you're going to put your heart and soul into it. Mm-hmm. And Pierce did that. That, yeah. that's where the difference is. And, and so did me. Roger Moore. I think they, yes. they were, you know why? They were both already famous. They were both yeah. on TV shows. People knew who they were. Mm, uh, they didn't give a shit. They were like, exactly. I want to be James Bond because James wanted, Bond's cool as fuck. Ja- and they had fun doing it. And you can yes. see it in their performances. They're having a good time playing Bond every time. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that they had to f- basically fire Brosnan rather than yeah. just the contract ending and the time's up. Ugh. But the, the November Man thing, too, one point I wanted to make with that is, say they had done it, and we'll just flat out take, for argument's sake, November Man. So now for this podcast, November Man is a Bond film. It's, it's, I mean, it, yeah. even the title sounds kind of Bondian. I could right. see a Bond movie called oh, yeah. November Man. So, so say it is him. So basically, they're doing exactly what they did with Casino Royale. They're saying, okay, Bourne movies came out. Die another day sucked. We kind of can't really go that route anymore. Pierce Brosnan's back at home with his wife laughing about the kite surfing thing. Let's do November Man. Let's reboot Bond. Dark and gritty is selling now. Does it work with the same actor? Or because we don't even need to talk about Casino Royale worked and it yep. was perfect. Yep. But does it does it work if you keep the same actor? And yeah, I, I say switch, flip the switch. I say yes. Because they did it from Moonraker to For Your Eyes Only. That's the example I'll use. Mm. I, I don't think so. I disagree. 
That's why we're having this conversation. Of course, of course. Um, I think. Hold on, let me move my picture to the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Did that work? Yeah. This is the thing. This is making up for last night's love fest between the two of us. Mm -hmm. Here's here's the thing. Everyone wants to talk about going from you know oh hunky dory to gritty. How about going from gritty to hunky dory? Like. Well, you just you you have Craig make four films and then you make him, you know, he, he goes out and makes a, you know, a die another day. Like you'd be like, you you wouldn't you go off the you jump off a cliff mm, like you just yeah. be like, well, what the hell? So what I'm trying to understand is, is I was kind of hoping they would have, honestly. <laughs> I know everyone was. And I was like, there's no way. No, their their decision was we're going dark, but we're going to go even darker. Like, mm-hmm. like we're not only shutting the blinds, we're putting a bag over your head. Right. Like, like this, this is, it, it's, it's fine, but because we were tied into this story arc, this, this, this story arc that was like forced together that it shouldn't have been, if mm-hmm. they would have just stuck to their guns and just did Skyfall and then said, you know what, let's just keep the standalone missions. Let's stop trying to relate everything. It would have been fine, you know? So, but my argument to that though is would you say they went from because you said you wanted it to go from dark to hunky dory would you no, say i'm quantum... saying if like like that way won't work is what i'm saying mm-hmm. oh well like would you, you say could... quantum to skyfall is that no not even no there's still like Sky... quantum is Skyfall's definitely still pretty dark yeah i mean it's so just because skyfall it's the... the specter that it, it's the lightest skyfall is probably the lightest craig film but that's not saying much yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. That, I mean, wouldn't Spectre be the lightest one? Yeah, yeah I probably. suppose. And and that goes back to another theory that if I had, uh, you know, the the Bond genie, I would flip Spectre and Skyfall. I think that they come backwards in the, mm-hmm. in the series. Yeah, yeah. I think I would have been even more heartbroken at the end of No Time to Die though if Skyfall came before it. Mm. I don't know why, just because it's not. Just Spectre sucked. <laughs> just I like favorite. Spectre. I, I like Spectre, Spectre too. I don't. <laughs> I don't dislike it. There's. I'm not gonna lie. There's not really. I aside from like maybe. I don't know. I mean, I really like them all, but I don't know. Back to the fucking Dalton and Brosnan before. Yeah, that's right. This this is Dalton and Brosnan. Wait, this is relevant though because we're talking about this because we're talking about going from light to dark or dark to light or you know like the yeah. transition but of the thing and, is and, the, thing and is, a lot of what ifs you know yeah. and a yeah. lot of like things that if we had perfect uh hindsight what we would have done differently yeah so because really like, what they have to do is put bond fans in front of in charge of making bond films that right. would work out great right exactly for the bond fans like <laughs> if you notice they do one for the non-bond fans and then one for the bond fans that's the way mm. it's been working mm-hmm. i mean so, really go through go through the craig ones and tell me if that's not true i think casino royale works for both bond fans and non-bond fans. that's why it's mm-hmm. the best because yeah. it's you can't really determine what it is i mean you could push it but it falls right there in the middle yeah it's the perfect film for bond just like me right in the middle <laughs> you're a cream filling buddy goldilocks <laughs> yeah cream filling lactose um the problem is you can be it you just can't eat it yeah 
the Daniel Craig <laughs> the Daniel Craig films are just different degrees of dark. But something like Die Another Day to November Man, that's like a, a hard switch flip, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But not if not if you change the second hour of Die Another Day. Because the first hour of Die Another Day is actually I mean, it has it has its bond moments and its little wink wink witticisms. You yeah. like when he when he walks into the hotel in his pajamas. But other than that, there's a lot of darkness. I mean, he's being tortured with scorpion venom mm -hmm. and, and waterboarded there's some, i will say there's some though, stuff there in the beginning Brian of that and i are in the car yesterday and i and she actually really likes the song nobody does it better i, I like, you might like this one too and i put on die another day and she goes this is a bond song it sucks yeah i <laughs> go yeah it, it sucks i go yeah it is she couldn't believe it and it's funny because the darkness of the torturing is ruined by madonna's <laughs> auto-tune and <laughs> you know what i mean like he's getting dunked and there's scorpions and shit and she's like singing away being you know a material girl well, and, the, and the, the lyrics make no sense that's what the that's what's the most frustrating part of it no, she just keeps freud analyzed this yeah yeah she just keeps repeating the same shit so okay so my next question is you change the second hour of die another day because like you said too, the the first hour is good because it's a good it's a good storyline. The whole ridiculousness of the face swapping is not really in it yet. Mm. And the whole like DMZ thing is relevant. Mm -hmm. Bond always seemed to have a way of getting relevant even before something was relevant, if that makes sense. They kind of almost predicted the future with yeah, certain storylines. That was Cubby's line, five minutes in the future. Right, right. And they did a good job with that. But then, you know, the end, just it's just pure ridiculousness. Ice palace, <laughs> kite surfing. Invisible cars. Everything is just dumb. Believing so, Holly Berry is a good actress. I mean, right, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> all that. Oh, all that. They overplayed their hand on that. I mean, <laughs> they really did hit the triple crown with this film. I mean, you're forced to have Madonna in the film because I'm sure she requ required that to do the mm -hmm. song. So not only are they like saying like, oh, we got Madonna, but we got to put her in the film. So we're going to give her this weird character and make her have some sort of like mm. relationship with Bond in some weird way. I'm just sitting here. I'm like, who the fuck sat there and wrote this and was like, you know what? This is going to be a fucking, this is going to be a five star movie. Neil they, never really address, <laughs> they, they never really address why the fencing instructor at this fencing club in London is an American. The, uh -huh. they, they don't really they don't really oh like no that, that was well. her english accent you're supposed to believe she's english or yeah. actually she's a double agent she's actually madonna in the movie but that's her cover name you that's know what they the said when they when someone said should we explain why she's an american in england someone said what's the point <laughs> <laughs> someone said we have an invisible car who gives a fuck said, what's the point um i mean and, you know, to continue to harp on Die Another Day, too, you've got What's-Her-Face, who ends up being, like, a fantastic actress. Miranda Frost, in real life, is fantastic. Yeah, Rosamund Pike. And I, you, and I you think that even that's, like... that's where the movie goes wrong. I mean, a, a Bond movie played straight with Pierce Brosnan and Rosamund Pike, 86 the Jinx character, you've already made the movie better. Right, right. Yeah, they should have just cast some super hot chick and let them, you know, just... 
tell him he's a bird watcher and be done with it. Do, she didn't need to do be away with the character altogether. She does nothing to move the story forward. Why do you need her? Why is she there? Yeah, you she literally cut out every single jinx, and I think you could still have a film that is better. Than it's be it would be better. It would. Well, be I mean, better. you can keep the you can keep the beach scene. I'm fine. Yeah, with the beach. just sure. pass her by her. Like yeah, like right. I said, yeah, just just the, extra. a one night stand, yeah. and then exactly. yeah. on no the conversation, no 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 <laughs> that. Just out of the ocean, makes a comment. Mojito watching, he bangs her, and then that's it. See here, later. I'll rewrite the scene right here. He's standing there. You got to keep the binocular thing because that's just pervy and hilarious. And the cigar. Yeah. Pulls out the binocular, sees her. She comes up. He just says, mojito, bang. It cuts to them banging. Boom. She's gone. Bang. Done. Back to Roseman Pike. <laughs> that's all we needed. Or what you do is you just like kind of like uh, cut and edit some scenes and like you basically have Bond pull out the gun and shoot and then she like falls off that cliff. <laughs> instead of landing it she just dies <laughs> also then we never have to hear about jinx was that, coming back ever was again that, uh, was that david justice on the boat <laughs> Who drives i think it was <laughs> i think it was i think hey, it was Wayne they were was they like, were married at the time i didn't know they were married when thing. that was going down i thought they were yeah or, or or maybe they they were a couple at the time i don't know if yeah. they were married. wow they probably You're forgetting one thing her going off that cliff is worse cgi than the kite surfing I agree. Somehow that is worse CGI. It is so bad. It, she looks like a cartoon. I think yeah. I saw better CGI in fucking Tomb Raider than that. You can see better <laughs> CGI looking behind me. Like that was <laughs> dog shit. Anyways, I would have liked to see him get another chance at, you know, this. So we'll do the November man thing. Is that could you have met somewhere in the middle? Could it have gone die another day somewhere? You know, maybe like, uh, Kyle's gonna say yes to only time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's ex Brosnan, I think that's exactly what we needed. I think we needed like a we needed Brosnan's for your eyes only. Uh, <laughs> we had wow, we had his Moonraker. Uh, he never got back down to earth, literally yeah. and figuratively. Right. My that, thing is this: that was a power move, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that was. You could so you could still you could still reboot the character within the series. I think you can do that. But I think you have to, and this is the problem. Oh. You see it with Craig, but listen to me, hear me out. You see it with Craig because they just got the new shiny Spectre toy and ran with it, and that was dog shit. But it's like if you sit down after the first or second film, we'll say, we'll say with Brosnan, just hypothetically, he gets two more after Die Another Day. Mm. If they had the wherewithal to sit down and say Die Another Day was shit, Born is what's hyped now. You know what I mean? Things like that are what people want to see. Let's slowly bring him. Let's give him two more films. We'll do a little darker and then a little darker or something and mm -hmm. then end it. And then let Craig come in and just be dark right off the rip. Like they didn't have to go from A to B. You can still kind of work your way up to a different feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's all about balance. But they don't do that. That's the problem. Look, I'm going to call it the trigger happy. Term. And no, it's not my trigger mortis. To bite out of. Look, yeah, you, call I mean, that you guys both are in love with Pierce Brosnan. I love so Pierce too. I love Pierce too. But there's no way. I'm sorry. There's no way. It just won't like. It's too much change. It would be weird. It would be mm. like the standalone film that you're just looking at. And you're like, this makes no sense for the type of character he played for the first four films of his tenure. And now we're going to, or even if you give him two more, like, that's just like, 
I'm trying to think of any franchise that has pulled that off successfully. Like, it's here's impossible. an example I'll use. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Kindergarten Cop. the Terminator series. Mm-hmm. Think about who he is in the first one, who he is in the second one, and then I don't know how many more he did after that, but... Too many. He, too many, and his character is just so strange. And now you're just kind of like, I don't know what to expect. Yeah. You know? Well, your timeline's fucked up anyway. So, your darkness whatever. to lightness, like not wanting that to work. Mission Impossible did it pretty successfully. One, one and three are dark as fuck, and the rest are not. One not is, even close. One and three are, one is very dark. Two is childish. Three is three dark because three's Philip Seymour Hoffman dark. plays pretty a pretty dark, dark, yeah. dark dude. He's he's one of the best villains in that franchise. Yeah. Yeah, but the problem right. is your leading guy didn't change. It was just the way they were filming him. Mm. Well, and I think that's what what's right. saying about Pierce Brosnan. And I and I'll I'll call back to the. I mean, Sean Connery kind of changed the way he played the character over time, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. I mean, I don't think he's very good in You Only Live Twice or Diamonds, but I think he nails it in From Russia with Love. Mm-hmm. Even Doctor No, I think right out of the box, he's he's already got the character down. Do you think he was better in From Russia with Love than Doctor No? Yes, because he's not as oh, yeah. he's not as pissed off. Uh, he's having a little bit more fun. So, see, my do you think Brosnan is better in Goldeneye or The World Is Not Enough? Uh, the World's Not Enough, just because he's been doing it, but it's not a better yeah. film. I I don't think it. Well, I personally like it better even though i think goldeneye is the better film um i how prefer do I world how do i hang enough. up on Kyle? rest my case how do i <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i think brosnan's <laughs> best performance is in the world is not enough because he because it's that third movie he's he's comfortable he knows how to play it oh, i think he's See, better this in never what? dies me too i think this is here but this film. is the the other argument is and this is where i think i said this to you kyle may have started all this i think critically speaking and and not like rotten tomatoes speaking but just you know isn't usual i'm pretty sure all their actors their first film is considered their best film most of the time i think maybe not sean critics critics would probably pick goldfinger even though yeah maybe not sean but fans would probably say either thunderball or from russia with love like think about it craig's got casino Dalton's mm-hmm. got Lice, Living Daylights, mm-hmm. Brosnan's got Goldeneye, and and Live and Let Die is considered Roger's best, and George Lazenby is one for one. So right, that's 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 an interesting argument I think you, too. I think you'd have some people argue that uh, Roger's best is The Spy Who Loved Me. That's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Live and Let Die is absolutely not my favorite. It is my least favorite of his. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm not. It's just, it's just, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not I'm a fan in that boat of the too. whole thing. I'm warming to it, but Spy Love is my jam. Yeah, I've, I've, I've warmed to it after doing all this Bond's apartment, Blunt Instruments thing, and getting opinions and starting to look at it from a different lens. But you guys just don't like it because of the pulsar. No, <laughs> no, because that's the last I don't mind the pulsar because that's about. that is an affordable <laughs> collector's piece. I will That's never hate on it that much. Paperweight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An uneven <Fuck>. paperweight. But <laughs> it's a fucking nightlight and paperweight all in one. So let me ask you this. 
is and, and just like I said, because even with even with Sean Connery, you know, my personal favorite is from Russia with Love. I know Goldfinger's Same. probably his his best, but or even Thunderball is incredible. But Doctor No was ninety something Rotten Tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, I love Doctor No. I think Doctor No. They came out of the out of the gate hot with Dr. yeah. No. So do you think? For me. Yeah, it is slow. It is slow. It's a do you think developing? Yeah, I agree with that. Do you think that it's the first film we can just argue is the is you know I don't know how to say it. I don't want to say is the best because everyone's got their opinion, but the first film is always one of the best. You know what I mean? If yeah, if and not I the think best, it's it's kind of like when a, when a play opens and the opening night is usually the best performance okay. because that's when every everybody has like that adrenaline and that kicks in. So you're saying, but you're saying you're even really for the writers and the actor. Yeah. Okay. I think I, there's something there's something to that, but I think with the Bond actors, it takes them a little bit of time to to really sink into the role and to. Mm-hmm. To bring like bring a little bit of their personality into it and and really make it their own. It takes them two or three movies. So, do you think Dalton could have been a completely different Bond by three? Yes, I think he needed another film. And what most people usually say is they wanted to see a, a Dalton movie in like 1991, 1992. I'd rather mm-hmm. see it in 1984, 1985. I think an earlier Dalton movie, Roger making six instead of seven and Dalton taking over earlier in the eighties um, for either a, a three or four film run so, would have been better for the franchise. Yeah. So I've got a question for both you guys because Lorenzo's got to answer this one too, because Kyle, I think I, I think you're not going to give me the answer I'm looking for, but would you guys say that license to kill is the worst Seek or follow-up film of all the Bond follow-up films. I knew Kyle would say no. No, as much as I. What's want to worse? Say it, What's worse? Man with the golden gun. <laughs> I'm just that film is pretty bad. That film I mean, does. As, I'm not a big mu- fan of it. As much as I like, you know, the Living Daylights, and then I don't really care for. License to Kill, I find watching Live and Let Die a little easier and more palatable than watching The Man with the Golden Gun back to back. I have a feeling Kyle disagrees. Is there I a do. different second that's, film? Well, that's one of his things. It phase. can't be Tomorrow Never Dies. It's not. Uh, and, and this is where we might put our friendship oh, uh, it's quantum. It's a little bit. Quantum. A little no bit to way. a test because it's quantum. Oh I, my I god! Really struggle. This guy, this guy takes one midweek trip trip to the beach and he turns into a fucking <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> yeah, I, I am not what? not a quantum fan. Oh, what I is it? You're not. What is okay? Sorry, I gotta unpack this. Sure, sure. What is it? What <laughs> is it you don't like about like? What are your like? Give me your Sigmund top three. I can't stand I can't stand the direction, I can't stand the dialogue, and I can't stand the editing. Uh, I, I just don't like how the story unfolds from one scene to the next. It's just kind of it's a it's a chase, it's a chase, it's a chase, it's a chase with no time to to like recoup and figure out what's going on. I think the dialogue is really poorly written, especially compared to Casino, which I think has really good dialogue. 
and I, I, I can't, I just can't get behind the whole herky jerky um, direction. You know, it, it, it makes me nauseous when I watch it. Not well, literally, but figuratively. So mm-hmm. I don't think quantum is like this masterpiece. Let's be clear. Like when I talk about liking quantum of solace, I like it because of so I look past those things. Territorial mm-hmm. things, great. Yes, I, yep. obviously. And, like, I, and I won't argue. I won't argue there. And I think if you if you look at screen caps, it looks great. Um, the production design is beautiful. The costumes are beautiful. I just I don't like the direction or the editing. So, have you ever watched them as one sitting? Like it's just Casino, Quantum, right back to back. No, yes. no stopping. And I think that actually makes it worse because of all of the inconsistencies from Casino. I mean, Casino very clearly takes place in 2006. Mm-hmm. Quantum takes place in 2008. I mean, we see dates on screen mm-hmm. in that movie. So either Bond had Mr. White in his trunk for two years or it took two years from the death of Vesper. Push the Aston Martin from fucking Italy. It, it, it that makes the whole line, Spain. it's time to get out, so much funnier. Right. It's time it, to get out. Yeah, no yeah, fucking yeah, right shit. It is. <laughs> or it oh took God. two years for Bond from the death of Vesper for Bond to track down Mr. White. So somewhere, somewhere there's two lost years. Uh, and I think Quantum is actually weaker for having been promoted as oh it takes place five minutes after casino royale it, it can't see they say that but it's just like i agree with you there are well, continuity Aston Martins issues. Are different colors too that doesn't help like, like so here, here's a lot of the problems one he has a planet ocean on i'm gonna go there because that's my he's bag. got a planet ocean he's got a completely different suit completely yep. different shirt completely different yep. tie i get Car. it I, i'm with you on that i'm totally with you on that different gun like different shows up same, same gun but no silencer that no, they actually not, got right. It's not the same gun. It is. It's a it's a UMP nine. Which one? The uh, the one that he shoots Mr. White with, and then he uses in the pre-title sequence of of. Uh, then where quantum. did the PBK come from in the belt? Oh, that that could have changed, but I, even that one I'll give you because I thought that was Mitchell's gun that got that shot Mr. White. He's talking. No, no. I'm talking, talking about the gun he the, the, the gun he uses at the, Yes, the gun he uses at the, the end of Casino. Oh, oh, you're talking about that the same gun. Oh, you're talking got. about the machine gun. Okay. Yes, yes. But he's I, talking I'll about even this gun. I'll even say that I'll give you the PPK because we don't see Bond's sidearm after the death of Vesper. So he could have changed his sidearm between the Venice scene and tracking down Mr. White in could Casino change Royale. His suit. I'll give you could that. Changed his watch. I mean, there's a lot of room at some for point interpretation. In be- at some point in between the two films, yes. But why? Why would he have done that? I don't know. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> Let me I mean, ask you this. Do you, do you think... So, Kyle, let's see if, if I can try to find a way to, to riddle you into this, lure you into this. So, do you think if you could look past the inconsistencies, mm-hmm. we're just talking, try to make it a standalone story. Yeah. Just like, cause, cause that, that right there kind of gives it a disadvantage. It's not a standalone. Everything else is every other sophomore film is standalone with this one. Yep. Yep. So pretend it's a standalone film. Is it still the same? Is it still quantum? Yes. Because of the filmmaking technique. That's my biggest problem with it. I don't like the way it was made. So it's not have- even a story thing. 
it's I mean, the story is a piece of it. Um, I actually think that the plot using water as a MacGuffin is actually a really good idea because mm -hmm. I do think that in the future we will be fighting wars for clean drinking water. Um, but it, it's the way it's made. It's the way it's edited. It's the way it's shot. It's the way it, uh, one scene leads into the next. I just don't care for the filmmaking style. Because well, then that has to do with Mark Forrester. <laughs> it's yet. Mark Forrester. It's, yeah. it's totally Mark Forrester. It's not Daniel Craig. Um, he, he's fine. I, I know that, uh, that some people like his performance in quantum because it's, he's very quiet and, and, um, kind of pretty badass. It's not my favorite performance of his, but it, it's fine. It's it, perfectly workable. I don't lay the blame on him. I don't lay the blame on any of the performers. I just don't like the filmmakers. Yeah. See, the reason I even asked the question in the first place was because, License to Kill is so far removed from being a Bond film compared mm. to every other sophomore film that it's mm. like you if if you so you watch a you watch Lazenby I was gonna say a Lazenby film you watch the Lazenby, the Lazenby film, film. <laughs> it's a good film yeah. period done yes so what you can sit there all day and and think what could have been what should have been this that it, with Dalton it's like you watch the first one you're like okay this I see you know it's we're talking great locations decent story mm -hmm. you know you know what i mean just that's that's a, flavors I, yeah exactly yeah. then you watch license kill and you're like this is they're they're seeing like cartel shit take off so they're making a cartel movie now mm. where it's like that's where i ask the question it's like did he get did he get the shit under the stick by not getting a third film because his last film i mean it's it's difficult for, for him because it's his sophomore film and it's his last film like right. Brosnan's sophomore film, it's a great film. Toronto, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, I'm a huge Tomorrow Never Dies fan. Yeah, but his last film, Die Another Day, is dog shit. So it's like, did Dalton? I'm basically I'm trying to find out did Dalton get the shit end of the stick by having his last and second film be that? Because it's like at least Daniel Craig had three more after to try to change people's opinions of Quantum, whether you liked it or not, whatever. Yeah, I think leaving on an unpopular film made Dalton's legacy, the unpopular bond. Yeah. He's sort, he's sort of getting reevaluated now, especially post Daniel Craig. Um, Cause I think after watching the Craig films and where he took the character, people are like, Oh yeah, Dalton tried to do that and we forgot about it. And, mm -hmm. and now people kind of have a renewed appreciation for Dalton's portrayal. But yeah, I think ending on an unpopular movie did not do his legacy any favors. So this is the last rewording <laughs> I'll do. Would you? Would it have been worse to end on License to Kill or Quantum? Ooh, and I'm talking strictly story. So if they both only made two movies, well, strictly story. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's that's tough because I think License to Kill. It's probably the tightest plot that I mean, it, there isn't a find a plot hole in License to Kill. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. There with isn't that. one. That's the thing I because mean, it's, it's a standalone film. That's where right. I guess the whole right. thing is moot. Yeah. If you will. Lorenzo? Yeah, I, I don't think you can find. I think License to Kill is actually, as far as filmmaking technique, I'd rather watch it, but it's missing a lot of the bond. 
trope. charm and a lot of the Bond flavor that Quantum does have. Yeah. So I'm going to stick to it doesn't have the style. I'm going to stick to what I said. Like Quantum, that would be a better film to end on because at the end of the day, we're all in agreement that License to Kill doesn't have that much Bond equation to it. Mm -hmm. James Bond's in a film, but it's not about being James Bond. It's like he got kidnapped into this film and Mm -hmm. he's just there. Like, that's what it feels like. So for me, if I'm going to end my Bond tenure, I want my film to at least feel like I was James Bond doing James Bond shit mm-hmm. during it. <laughs> no matter how fucked up the storyline is or plot holes, sure. at least when you look at the posters and shit, it's going to be like, wow, that looks like a James Bond film, regardless if there's yes. a couple things fucked up with it. Mm-hmm. Quantum Quantum has the look of Bond. It has that that touch of class, that polish that License to Kill doesn't have. License to Kill does have some good things. I think the villain is great. I think Sanchez is a much better villain than Koskoff and Whitaker from uh, Living Daylights. Mm-hmm. I think the girls are both great. I think they're better Bond girls than Kara Malovi in the Living Daylights. And this is not to trash Living Daylights. I love Living Daylights. But there are some things that have some merit in license to kill. It's really the only time that bond goes rogue that I enjoy. Well, I mean the Whitaker thing as a nine, a nineties kid, you watch Goldeneye and then you go back and watch living daylights and you're like, right. well, what the fuck is that? They do that all the you know time. I mean? I mean, Charles gray played Henderson and he played, um, Blofeld right. Shane River shows up. And I think five different bond movies as five different people. Yep. Um, let me ask you this. So this, I think, will be the last talking point, but it it can go. It can really go. So ultimately, would you have liked to see another Brosnan film? And would it be at the end or the beginning? Or would you have liked to see another Dalton film? And and like try to try to let the bias of Dalton or Brosnan aside, just Strictly for the Bond canon, what would you have rather seen? So I can only have one more film, and it's either one one more Dalton and one or one more Brosnan. Yep, and then you got to pick. I already know what he's gonna say. Is it before it, or after? It, it is no doubt one more Brosnan. I, he was the, he was the better Bond. The fans liked him better, and the critics liked him better. He made much more money. He was the better James Bond. Um, the beginning of the end, I think I'd rather see it at the end after Die Another Day. I would have liked to have seen him go out on a film that was more pop. Well, actually, Die Another Day made a billion dollars, but mm-hmm. uh, a, a film that had a little bit more respect uh, than Die Another Day. Lorenzo? Um, this is tough, but I think I'm going to go the route of giving – Dalton one more and I would give him the one I would just I would tell Roger to take a hike I mean mm-hmm. hair piece aside interesting he has six films he didn't need to do a seventh mm-hmm. he was spit and glued together in that film I think a Dalton in that film makes that film even better I I completely agree I think that film raises uh its respect level tenfold if it has Tim Dalton and I think the I think the gap 
between Dalton and Pierce at the end of the day was actually good for Pierce because like we talked, like we talked about it weathered him more and it gave them the opportunity to give this hard reboot to bond. And I feel like if you have a film sandwiched in between there, you're not going to get that. So it might influence how GoldenEye is made or GoldenEye never gets made. Now we just go straight into tomorrow never dies, which tomorrow never dies is the first film. Pretty solid film in my book. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be. Yeah, but no Goldeneye, man. But Goldeneye is... Come on. I mean, you just can't imagine a world without Goldeneye because of no. what it's done. Mm-hmm. You know? All from Best video game of all time, you know, too. Video game, movie. Totally. Yeah. So... So you're saying I'm, you want to see Dalton go- in, in a view yeah, to kill. a view to kill. And that way he gets his three films. The third one might not be his best, but at least he has three films and it makes another Bond film better without fucking up everything else yeah Yeah. i think it i think it makes a couple of other bond films better i think it it makes a view to a kill better and it might even roger's tenure stronger it does because now roger ends on a on a better note with with octopusy yeah yep okay well i was actually also going to go the dalton route but i'm saying give him a third a a third final film Hmm. give him something it's not a bad choice i thought about that yeah, give him something between License to Kill and Goldeneye. But vibe-wise, I mean, yeah, it's got to be more of a Bond film. I, I kind of want to try to think of an, an existing Bond film, like a like a feel of a third film. Like, I would have liked to see, like, a darker... God, that's hard. A, a Goldfinger. That's, all, that's yeah. all he needed. He needed a Goldfinger type of movie like with... A, a larger than life villain who's going to blow up the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could do that. From for some reason, I kept thinking from Russia with love, but I wasn't saying it because it wasn't right. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I I never cared for Dalton before doing all this, but then mm-hmm. it's like once I did. I mean, and it's kind of hard for me to talk too much on License to Kill. I mean, I've seen it enough, but I definitely gravitate towards living daylights a lot more Mm -hmm. so like even today i watch living daylights in somewhat of a prep for this but somewhat of a like today sucks i'm just gonna watch a movie and fall asleep this is so funny because i watched quantum because i saw one of my followers had watched it on saturday and then yesterday when we attempted to watch or record and didn't happen i went upstairs and cassandra like put on a movie i was like what'd you put on she's like bond movie and i was like really and i was like which one She's like November man, not, one you're not gonna like. And I said, "Living Day or uh, License to Kill." And she started laughing. She's like, "How'd you know?" I was like, "I just know you." <laughs> so wow. watched it, watched it with fresh eyes. Hated it. <laughs> Feel the same way I have the <laughs> other fucking twelve <laughs> times I've watched it. There's just parts where I'm like, I I'm picking up my phone and I'm just like, ugh, you know, mm-hmm. like just i don't know it's just weird like it just feels like bond is like hey i'm just gonna take everything that's awesome about me i'm gonna put it in a suitcase and i'm just gonna leave it here until mm-hmm. i need it and he just like goes off and he's dressed like a hobo and i'm just yeah. gonna like awesome you literally look like you could go pick up kids from daycare with that like cream jacket and cream pants i'm like wh- where is the luxurious side of bond and to go from the beginning of you know um the living daylights where there's this awesome mission and this training exercise and then all 
<clears throat> and then he goes to Vienna and there's all this stuff and he's got the V8 Vantage. Like, he doesn't even Tuxedo. drive like, a sick car and, and freaking uh, the living or uh, license to kill. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, to me, it's like two complete. He drives a tanker truck. Oh, sweet. He's just <laughs> nice. Full circle with the whole like embracing his hick life. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I do agree with you. I think license to kill is missing that. That little bit of luxury that we come to, that touch a of little bit that we come to expect from Bond. The Mexico set is pretty cool. You got it's cool, you to, but I mean, he, oh god, he just doesn't. I mean, the villain's lair at the end, where it's it's underneath the temple and everything. The helicopter goes in and opens up. That's pretty neat. That's Bond. Mm-hmm. That's Wayne, that's that's a, a hollowed out volcano. That's Wayne Bond. Wayne that's Bond. is Bond. <laughs> oh God! Please Jesus, no! <laughs> oh my God! We Dr. need your Shane. help. <laughs> okay, here's a good question for you guys: Would you rather have more Bond films in ten years or less, but they're all better quality? I'm sorry, but I will take quantity over quality in this situation. Oh no! With I'd the chance, with quality. the chance that it will be, it could be good. No, that's cheating. No, now you're just cheating. <laughs> no, but that's how it is. Like, that's how it is, though. I mean, it's the problem is it, it it'll just if they were to cook them out or churn them out so fast, they'll just suck because it's too big budget. Everything, right? Every, it's just times are too different. I, mean, I don't, I don't want the franchise to turn into the Fast and Furious. But yeah. at the same time, franchise they, that makes a fuck ton of money, and I don't know how they do. But it. they, they don't have to. Constantly Damn. try and make Oscar winners either. Uh, there is a happy yes. medium. They yes. make a tomorrow never dies. Make a world is not enough. Make a solid, serviceable action movie with good performances from very good actors, but they don't have to be like swinging for the fences doing Shakespeare either. Mm-hmm. Well, we said Mission this on Impossible. the Mission Impossible. <laughs> right, right. Mission Boom, Impossible. On Look at that. Yes. I, we flat out said it. We said this is four people, episodes in a row. Yeah, people flat out forget how good of a dramatic. Well, I, okay, I'm gonna how just how much of a thespian Tom Cruise is mm-hmm. because he's not trying to be that in Mission Impossible, and yet right, they're, right, they're making but he a did Rain Man. Yeah, they're making a billion, and they're hitting ninety plus on Rotten Tomatoes every time. Yep, and, and it's like Bond. You cast. I mean, don't get me wrong. After Quantum came out. In 2008, I liked Quantum, and I, I think I like it more now than I did even then. But as, mm-hmm. as of whatever age I was at, I was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. But then once I saw them cast, like Javier Bardem, Naomi Harris, Sam Mendes directing, I was like, this is going to be a friggin' banger. And, and Skyfall, I love Skyfall. But it's like, then you go to Spectre, and you do the same thing. You got Christoph Waltz, you got Sam Mendes, and it's not... You're you're just sitting there waiting. You're like, okay, but you're casting all these mega talented people, and they're falling flat. Or you know, what I mean, it's just like because then you don't know what to expect. But it's like Mission Impossible can cast a listers all day, but you're not going in there thinking like, but Javier Bardem is going to win an Oscar for this. Rebecca right. Ferguson is going to win an Oscar for this. You don't right. care. But for some reason, with Skyfall and Spectre, you're like expecting that. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I had this conversation with the Hoof, and it it's very interesting because at the end of the day, like with the Mission Impossible series, what they've done is if you look at the I like to call it, they have like two two story arcs. 
The second one is obviously, you know, the ghost protocol. Yeah. Um, And the thing they do is each film focuses on whose story are we telling? Which, which supporting character are we telling the story about? Like, what is it? Rogue nation is about um, Benji and fallouts about Luther. And I'm willing to bet that this next film is going to be about Elsa Faust. And like, Mm -hmm. They are using these strong characters they've created that support the main character. Like, obviously, like the movie's about Ethan Hunt. Like, there's never a question about that. Mm-hmm. But the storyline is being developed instead of being a supporting cast member, they are a, a supporting story member. Like, they their story matters in this. And so, I, well, their story drives the film. Yes. But they're still a supporting role. Right. But I'm saying is they're not just there to look good. Mm-hmm. Like if you go from Skyfall, you see how much money Penny is involved, and then like she she just slowly starts disappearing. Yeah, it it it, it, it just you read it, my it's mind crazy again. You read my mind again. That's yeah. true, but I think that's the key fundamental difference between Bond and and Mission. Mission is always about the team. Bond is about one man, and it's James Bond. This is who he is. And he's going to take on the giant Leviathan evil organization himself. Yeah. I don't need to see a James Bond team. That's there's I, yeah. I want to see Bond. I want to see the individual triumph. There's a certain cachet to being cast in a Bond film, too, which everybody, you know, the allure people can't say no to. Do you think Naomi Harris would have said yes to Bond post Oscar nomination? Oh, that's a good question. I would that, say no. I would yeah. like very confidently say absolutely not. I don't know. She seems to be the one that has the most fun being in the Bond movies. So maybe I she's agree. doing it for the for the love of the character and the love of the history of the franchise. Yeah, maybe. I, mm-hmm. I always have a hard time reading some of the supporting cast sometimes. Like, yeah, not some people in the I think film, just dream of being in a so. Bond movie. Yeah. I don't know. I just I think like if if we're going this route of it's James Bond versus the world, then why do we need these characters in every film? Then, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I, I think it's it's good to have the familiar tropes and things, but they I don't I don't want to see like a money penny story. Um, but like, it's not a money penny story. It's it's there there you're doing character development of these characters it's mm. always about ethan hunt he's the one that saves the day at the end of the day no i mean essentially no time to die is a is a madeline story yes oh 100 I, I i agree with that but it probably would have been ass. 10 times better if he didn't die like we could have been looking yes. at the closest thing to a mission impossible film if he didn't die um maybe <laughs> i think so i mean you got the team aspect at the end I mean, imagine if the okay. W- w- let's play devil's advocate here. Let's imagine Daniel Craig doesn't die at the end of that film. Mm-hmm. Does it completely change how you feel about it? Does it make yeah. it a good Bond film? Yes. It makes uh, it. It makes it better. Um, I think it makes. It I, think I, I think I would be less critical of it if Bond survived, and and with that ending. I've gotten a lot pickier with like, oh yeah, this this little bit didn't make a lot of sense. That little bit didn't make a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. Um, I don't think Safin is particularly well written. Would I have been as critical of Safin if if Bond beat him and and he didn't beat Bond? 
Probably not, because he was built up as this is the most evil villain James Bond has ever faced. He's the one that actually succeeds in killing James Bond in a way. Um, but he didn't he didn't earn it. He didn't earn it. Bond fucking killed just decide to die. I well, mean, yeah, and I, I've said a couple of times happened. before that I think the the way I've rationalized it is only the Royal Navy could have destroyed James Bond because the Royal Navy created James Bond. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of looking at it. I like that. I've never thought of it that way. Well, they and they wasted another Oscar nominee. They didn't waste Javier Bardem. I thought Javier Bardem was fine, but they wasted Christoph Waltz and they wasted, wasted Rami Malik as well. Me, me and Cassandra have had this talk a few times now, and we both agree we would rather Rami Malik not even touch this film, not even be a part of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Blofeld let, should have been the, the let main villain. Blofeld be the one, let Bond kill him, but let Blofeld kill his family. That mm-hmm. would have been a James Bond film. That would have been a James Bond film. I agree. Yeah, there, there was no reason why Blofeld shouldn't have been the main villain of that film. I mean, the pre-title sequence, should, instead of stealing Heracles, should have been breaking Blofeld out of prison. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rami Malek could have been a great like henchman. Yeah. <laughs> what he gave. But the, I mean, his family was basically henchmen. So it's just like, how does he like, uh, it's just, I don't know. I thought it was cool. The whole like killing Spectre thing. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. But which is something they've been talking about doing since the seventies. So yeah. it was nice to see them finally actually pull it off. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the poison garden was cool, but it's just like, because it relates back to the books comes right out of Fleming, but it's just like, but it's wasted. I mean, they, there's no, there's no real payoff to it. They, no. they show it to us, but they don't do anything interesting with it. I thought that dialogue between Christoph Waltz and, and Daniel Craig in the cell was the best Blofeld we've gotten from this from this arc, mm-hmm. and I'm, it left me wanting more. I was like, oh, so so now we're going to fucking start acting. It's and, good, and but creating. I think I think the best. Walt's scene as Blofeld is the very first time you see him when he's in the shadows inspector sitting at the head of the table and he's quiet and mysterious and he's like this unseen malevolent presence that's what Blofeld is I mean the Blofeld is his best when you don't see his face. yeah I mean the trailer for that yeah, with like the, with like the bond bell thing yes. was unreal yeah it's unreal cuckoo <laughs> All downhill in the third act. I mean, yeah. from the leaked emails we saw from Sony. It could have been worse. What we, got was, what we got was a lot better than what they wanted to give us. Oh, mm-hmm. man. They just... Oh. God, just start over. <laughs> <laughs> like, just pardon me while I pour a very heavy drink right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just decide if you're doing a story arc and lay it out Marvel style. So at least mm-hmm. you know what you're doing. Or just commit to we're going to make good films and who gives a shit if they're related. Like, right. that, that's where we need to go. Right. And well, I mean, go back to, to the Connery stop days. Stop taking where, six years to make these films. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the first five Connery films, they're all connected. One follows the next, but you don't have to see the one before. You don't have to see From Russia With Love to enjoy Goldfinger even though there are mentions of the events of from Russia with love in Goldfinger, you don't have to have seen it to enjoy the movie on its own. Right. Are you guys Goldfinger guys or Thunderball guys? 
Kyle, I feel I'm like a from Russia with Love guy. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I'll from like Russia with Love is what probably one of my top three. That's in my top five. From Russia with Love is in my top five, but Goldfinger takes a cake for me. Mm. Yeah. I'm a house divided. Cassandra loves Thunderball. And I so tell her I, every time I, I, I look her in the face and I'm like, un- underwater fighting, I can't do it. Can't fucking mm. do it. There's no way. That's where you lose me. Capital F filmmaking, I think Thunderball is better. Thunderball is a much more beautifully shot movie. Than I agree Thunderball. with that, but mm-hmm. that underwater fighting dude in the boat at the end, like if you were to make a modern day Thunderball, would you have an underwater fight? You got to put yourself in the times. I mean, that they had to invent that camera technology in order to shoot those scenes. That was no, revolutionary. I'm asking, technology aside, you could film it however you want. You know, te- today's technology. Would you have an underwater fight like that? I not, think it's for, most- not not that long, no. But at the t- that had never been done before. I mean, it's it's kind of like um, you know, if you Who look fights at fights underwater. That's where Moonraker. Would you have had that that fight in outer space if you made that no. movie? That? No, no, ridiculous <laughs> thing. I am. Uh, I like Moonraker because. But charming. at the time, at the time, it looked great. Oh no. What would look great now? Everyone like driving around Tesla's like shooting each other. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's gonna age well. <laughs> they run out of battery. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah. That's how you that you don't die, you just your battery dies. Uh, <laughs> Bond jumps from a Where did he go? Bond was on a charging right? station for two and a half hours because the Chug car ran out of battery in the middle of a chase. Okay, what's the over under that we see an Amazon delivery truck in the next Bond film? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna say I like my chances. <laughs> wouldn't shock me. No, oh, it man. wouldn't shock me either. No, it wouldn't. It'll be awesome though. Like, think about all the publicity when they're like launching this film. They'll like drive around, deliver your shit, Amazon shit, and Bond trucks. Could have James Bond on the side of it. That'd be awesome. I think they they did that with DHL. I forget if it was for was it it Amazon? I knew it was one of the Craig's. (laughs) Yeah, they did it for Skyfall because of the fiftieth or whatever. All right, now let's wrap this up, guy. I got a can lot. Can you imagine all your sartorial items from Bond Twenty Six? You can just one click away well, on, on Amazon. Amazon. Just that be would, a one stop shop. You just click sort of take away the fun of the hunt. No, fuck the hunt, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, obviously, this was a heavy debate, and no right or wrong answer, except for Kyle's comments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, Kyle, I hope I get you. invited back because you, you like will definitely be invited back, brother. Thanks for coming on, man. We anytime, anytime. Um, Luke, as always, thank you, sir, for being my partner in crime. And uh, I guess we'll catch you guys on the next one. Ciao.
Well, I uh, appreciate my time on Blunt Instruments once again, and I do hope they'll have me back. If you've stayed with us for this long, and you are the first person to direct message the Blunt Instruments podcast, you'll be in the running for a Blunt Instruments t-shirt. 